Kelly Armstrong joins us. Uh, Congressman, good to have you on News and Views. How you doing, Joe? Not Merry bad. Christmas. How are you? Merry Christmas to you as well. Want to want to ask you when do you go on recess? When is Congress pulling the pin here? Uh, Thursday is our last scheduled day. Obviously, if something would come together on border talks slash supplemental, then I could see that happening. But I think even if that happens, they would probably call us back between Christmas and New Year's. So I think we'll be done by the end of the week. Uh, Zelensky is in D.C. Uh, He's making the rounds at the Capitol. Um, Has he made a difference? Has he put congress in a position where they they agree with him that look let's get the funding to help him out now let's not tie anything to it uh no uh, at least not with republicans i don't think and part of that is because you know we passed hr2 at the beginning of this conference congress we've been pretty clear-eyed that uh we this is where we we need to be we need real substantial border policy change and then i mean we have a lot of republicans obviously that support um continuing to help ukraine defeat russia i'm one of them provided there's a clear mission and moving forward but without border security there is just there there that there's not going to be a Ukraine supplemental. So when it comes to that, if the Democrats come forward, uh, the Biden administration, and say, look, we're willing to sit down and talk about uh, border uh, security and funding and putting more efforts towards border security, just don't tie the two together, would you believe that? Would you go forward with that? Uh, no. I Well, would I? No. I And it's not just about more money. It's more policy. Part of that is because... This has been out there for six months, seven months, eight months, and as is always the case, and particularly with the Senate and Senate lead, Democratic leadership, it tries to get jammed at the end. And we're like, "Well, we can't. We we can't tell you that we didn't tell you this six months ago. You can't come to us now and say we'll work on it later." What? When was your first term in Congress? Two thousand eighteen. Okay. Uh, the, were you in the majority when you came in? Okay, because two years before that, you were. Uh, Your party was in the majority, and uh, the Trump administration had the Senate and the House, and that policy never got put in place. Uh, Are you being hypocrites when it comes to it when the president at the time said that he was going to build a border wall, never did it? Well, I don't know about that. I wasn't here. I can just tell you that this is the single biggest crisis, and it's exponentially worse than it has ever been before, and we have an administration that refuses to acknowledge that. Well, the administration now is coming forward, and I I wish it had been sooner, but saying they'll be happy to sit down and develop a a border policy on the South in any way, shape, or form they can. It's just that you're tying it to aid to Ukraine. So it begs the question, do you believe that in any way, shape, or form, aid should be going to Ukraine at all? Yes, I I do. I think I've been pretty clear on that. I think the White House has done a terrible job of making the case for it. Um, We, and to be honest, so have my colleagues, particularly uh, the pro-Ukraine senators on the Republican side in the in the Senate, you have to be able to sell this to the American people because otherwise you're going to lose that. But I, I do believe Ukraine uh, needs our help. But I also believe the border crisis is the number one issue facing our country right now, and we we need that fixed first. Well, while I not, might not be convinced that the border crisis is the number one issue facing our country, I I do agree that the border crisis needs to be addressed. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, have you 
uh, any indication whatsoever uh, that you're going to meet the timeline you need to meet for when you go out on recess to resolve the issue of Hungarian or Hungarian. I got a text message here, but uh, when it comes to Ukrainian support uh, and tying it into the southern border, this appears to me again something that is all of a sudden we better deal with it from a congressional standpoint now. I don't, I mean, or am I wrong? Let me ask the question this way, Congressman Armstrong. Has the Republicans in the Congress sent a southern border piece of legislation in terms of resolving it to the Senate? Yes, it was H.R. 2. We passed it. It was... I actually think it was the oh, it was I mean we passed HR1 which was the permitting reform and then HR2 so we passed it 8 months ago. Okay, Th- that's the the lead into my next question. Uh, that's yeah. that's my point. Uh y- you've had that opportunity for quite a while. I mean to to resolve both in the Senate and and why isn't it resolved? Because the Senate <laughs> indicators are sitting there saying, you know, let's do this and it it just appears it appears that Congress doesn't work is what I'm building up to here. At the risk of criticizing the other chamber in the cat- in the Capitol, I'm going to criticize the other chamber in the Capitol. Um, we sent that to them eight months ago. They started these talks in earnest two weeks ago. This this isn't a surprise to anybody. And you you know this, too. Sometimes it's Republicans versus Democrats. Sometimes it's the House versus the Senate. Sometimes it's Congress versus the White House. All three of those are really at play here. But the reality is, is we can't force them to engage on legislation we pass. And they wait until the absolute last minute and then claim an emergency. And we're, we're just not interested in having that fight. They've had eight months to try and negotiate something and get it to a conference committee. And they have done nothing with it. And now that everybody's running around over there with their hair on fire, like this is an emergency. And I'm like, your lack of planning is not my emergency. Do you think that the, the people of Ukraine are in danger uh, while this is playing out? I, if, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think they need more funding. I think we need to replenish more of our things. But I, again, I think this is the single best and most significant way where we can effectuate change on the southern border, which I think is absolutely necessary and needed. Okay, so, and you're gonna you're gonna start losing the American people on this too. I mean, and I know this. And you can't continue to you can't continue to pour money into something that's inherently unpopular. I mean, we're a democracy. If it's inherently un, inherently unpopular with far too many districts, you run into those problems as well. So they need to make the case, and they need to get serious about border security, and then we can have the second conversation. And I think there's more support for that in D.C. than they think. So if the two were tied together right now, you would support that. Yeah, I would want. I mean, I need third-party parole and uh, and asylum reform. Those are the two parts of HR two. I know we're not getting all of HR two. I understand how Congress works. We passed HR two across. We know the Democrats control the Senate. We know the Democrats control the White House. But it has to be real border policy. It can't just be political talking points. And then, yes, I would support one. I would support it because I think those two things would significantly and substantially make our country safer and more secure. Give me an example of what you think that border policy needs to be. H.R. 2. Give me an example of if Kelly Armstrong were president of the United States and he were the dictator that Donald Trump said he wants to be, uh, what would you do? I would pass HR2. That that isn't what I'm, what I'm asking. What I'm asking is what what would you do? What does HR2 
do that you're desperately waiting to have it do? So that's what I, I mean, all of HR2, it, it rewrites laws. It makes sure DHS laws are, are consistent with DOJ laws. There's a ton of different places with that. It, it takes away any funding for um, moving, moving migrants into the interior of the country. There's a lot of good policy in HR2. The two things I think have to be in this thing and have to be in, in the negotiated agreement are asylum reform for third-party countries and, uh, and, and parole. And if those two things are in there, I think that significantly and substantially gives our border patrol and our, our homeland security officers operational control of the border. Again. Do you believe we're never going to get everything we like? And the, and I think those things. Actually, I think those politically, I think we're help. I mean, I, this is just my personal view, but I think we're helping Democrats out. The border is an eighty twenty issue. And it doesn't matter if you're in Chicago or New York or uh, or Massachusetts. This is a problem everywhere, and this would help. This would help alleviate that problem, not just on the southern border, but all across the country. But I'm not particularly worried about the politics here. I just think those two policy changes would be would be significant enough that uh, we could actually do some real. We could do some real good on the southern border. Now, now let me go on record. I agree. I mean, I agree. I, I think politically putting a policy in place, uh, and I'm not sure HR2 is perfect, uh, getting whatever you want, as you just said, is not going to happen. But developing a southern border, po uh, border policy that both chambers uh, move forward on is is a positive for Democrats. Because right now, I, I don't know that 80-20 is the, the breakdown, but I certainly know that a larger majority of Americans believe there's a problem at the southern border and they lay blame at the administration's footsteps for that. So putting a policy in place is is something that if I were the Republican Party, I don't know I'd be jumping up and to, down to do going into an election year. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, 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 you, the most craven political consultants that exist in our, in our world probably say that, but I don't know a single Republican who isn't in Congress who isn't all in on making sure that happens. I mean, you can't, and even in a place as cynical as this, you can't make this your 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 second premier bill when you get into Congress and then avoid it purely for political reasons. I don't think anybody here is dealing with that. I think the, our biggest frustration is they've had it and they've known our position since we passed it and they have done nothing to take it up, have heard nothing except demonizing about it from the White House. And now as we get to the Christmas deadline, then they're like, okay, now we'll initiate talks. It's like, that's just, particularly when you have senators saying that everything in ASAR 2 is absolutely a non-starter. So uh, someone said, so Armstrong is for building a wall by seizure of public lands and against any asylum. Uh, sounds very non-American to me. Would you like to address the individual that texts that? Asylum reform is not any re asylum. That is, that, is, that is patently not true, but asylum reform requires you to stay in the country. It, it expands the number of countries that you have to stay in while you're applying for asylum instead of being turned into the interior of the United States. I, and, it's, and it narrows the scope of who qualifies for asylum, which is appropriate. And it's not, it's not, I'm not for no asylum. I've never been for no asylum. Uh, I've actually handled a lot of immigration cases. I'm married to an immigrant, but we need asylum reform. I, I, you know, and I want to tell you if I were sitting at that table, what I would be pushing for as well. And I, I want to see if you agree with that, which is uh, a recognition that we don't have to 
uh, congressionally, you could take action so that we don't have to adhere directly to a policy that we had. People tell me all the time there are individuals waiting to become citizens of this country, and they've been waiting and going through the proper process. I agree with that. I understand that. Uh, By the way, that process is broken, too. I, I And I agree with that. And it's been broken for a lot of years. It takes yeah. too long. Uh, and it's take too long through both sides of the aisle. But my point in all of this is that there has to be a way, there has to be a way uh, to track individuals that you bring into this country with uh, the ability to to hold them from being citizens until they meet that criteria when we as a country are so desperately in need of the type of work they can provide. Well, I so I would my point to that is there is a way. We have a way to do those things. Uh, anybody who's ever had somebody released on pretrial release with an ankle bracelet, there's a way to do this stuff. We don't have the political will to do it, and there's a lot of different reasons you can say that. And we blame previous administrations. Um, I, they were really close to a grand bargain on immigration before I got here, and it fell apart at the last minute. But the reality is, is we need, we need an administration, first of all, to follow their current law, and secondly, have the political will to do that. Uh, a couple of other messages come in uh, in a place where I was going to go to. We've spoke about immigration a lot here. Somebody wants to know uh, what type of, uh, in comparison to immigration, what type of issue abortion is uh, when it's roughly an 80-20 issue and what's happening down in Texas. So I'm asking you. Uh, is what happening in Texas, is that something that should be happening in America? Uh, I mean, this is this is where Dobbs is the right decision, and states are in charge of this. And this is, I mean, whether you agree with the Texas case or you disagree with the Texas case, the point is, is I believe the place for these fights is at the state level. I get in trouble for do, both sides when I say that. Do you agree but, with the uh, Texas case? I haven't read it. Come uh, on, you, come you know on, me. Kelly. I mean, well, yeah, I haven't read the case. You've, you've got an argument. I haven't read the law. You've, you've got an no, okay. I haven't let me, read the law. Let me and make I haven't it generic. Read the case. Come on, let me make it generic. You've got a woman whose physicians are telling her that if she that the baby's chance of survival is next to none. If it does survive, it's got all these medical problems, and she could potentially not be able to have any more children. If there was a case like that in front of you, as a former attorney who defended people. No, uh, I don't what, think that person should be forced to carry that baby to term. There. I mean, if you're asking me from the medical standpoint, no, I Okay, that's what I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Now, uh, you're pushing and, and you've sponsored uh, the legislation to impeach Joe Biden. Why? Uh, I have not. I've sponsored the legislation to formalize the impeachment inquiry. Well, that's the, the same thing, for, but yes, go ahead. It is absolutely not the same thing. It's well, not even close to some, the same thing. Something made you believe that there needed to be an inqui inquiry. So why? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think the facts demand it. There is no jurisdiction outside of politics. There is no investigator with this set of facts that would not continue to investigate the case. Secondly, we got a letter from the White House two weeks ago saying they weren't going to allow witnesses to sit for transcribed interviews because they they said our impeachment inquiry is illegitimate. And then our response is, OK, we'll take a vote on the floor of the House and make it legitimate. This inquiry gives us the best position to win in court when we fight for documents and testimony. You, and you, I don't know why we would not say the why we're even having the conversation. Why are we even having that conversation? 
$24 million, $200,000, another $40,000, monthly payments from one of the Shell LLCs directly to Joe Biden, and a White House that had a transition team interfere with getting an interview with the president. There has obviously been interference at some point in time in the David Weiss investigation and and a changing narrative out of the White House about these issues every single time something new comes up. So, so even though some of that has been proven, quite frankly— uh, to not be true. If I could bring that's specific that's points to that case, it, uh, yeah. let's let's just assume then that it isn't true. That that you, because you have members of your caucus that are pushing this as though it needs to be uh, a formal impeachment already. That that mm-hmm. that they're all ready to grab the rope in the tree. I mean, you were sitting right sure. next to one during the State of the Union. I mean, how in the world do you get a fair argument in that? The same way we've done the entire investigation, we have IRS whistleblowers, we have three separate committees that have taken the facts and the information where they lead and continue to move forward and build a case. And we're just taking, I mean, what we've done with a White House that is absolutely unwilling to uh, cooperate and deal with these things, we're going to continue to build a case. And if we have if we have the evidence, we'll bring it. And if we don't, we won't. Just a yes or no, okay, because time's got us. Uh, and I do appreciate these interviews. They're not only yeah. good, they're fun. Uh, if Donald Trump is convicted of a felony, uh, guilty of a felony, would you still vote for him? I'm voting for the Republican nominee for president. That isn't what I asked. If Donald Trump was convicted Trump, of a if felony, Donald Trump is the would nominee, you still vote for him? First of all, him? I don't think it goes before that. Yes. That isn't if what, he's the Republican nominee, I'm voting for the Republican if, nominee. If he's convicted of a felony, you would vote for him? Yes. Okay. Uh, Congressman, always good to talk to you. Uh, thanks for not yes. running afraid. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right.